Thanks for tuning in for today's podcast, where we talk about a variety of cities and states and their histories. This is William Tucker, and today we will be focusing on Louisiana and its economy pre- and post-Civil War. Louisiana played a very large role in the slave trade, and much like other states in the South, it was primarily an agricultural economy, with cotton and sugarcane being very important crops. Prior to the Civil War, slavery was so common that in the now capital city of Louisiana, Baton Rouge, about one-third of the white population enslaved at least one person, and the economy was entirely dominated by plantations and agriculture. The economy was not diversified, and the single source of revenue would eventually cause economic problems for the state following the Civil War and the abolishment of slavery. Throughout the 1830s, the sugarcane and cotton industries were booming until 1861, when the fight to end slavery kicked off the start of the Civil War between the Confederate South and the Northern Union States. As the war carried on and the Union was winning more and more battles, the outcome wasn't looking good for Louisiana and the South as a whole. Slowly, it became evident that the Union was going to take control and the South would lose the war. When this became a reality and the emancipation of slavery was passed by Abraham Lincoln in January of 1863, Confederate states, including Louisiana, were immediately pushed into economic depression. This was in part due to their very specific and narrow economy that relied primarily on the slave trade and agriculture. The large sugar and cotton plantations that once dominated the economy of the South were now much less valuable because there wasn't anybody to work and harvest the crops. The plantations that once ruled the economy and generated millions of dollars for Louisiana were now in shambles with no one to work on the large plots of land. This, in turn, led the previous large plantation owners to divide their large farms into smaller plots, which were then run by single families in exchange for a portion of the crop. This this process was called sharecropping. Of course, the newly freed slaves now needed jobs and a way to support themselves now that they weren't living on a plantation. With the emancipation of slavery, African Americans were given vast amounts of opportunities compared to previous life on plantations. Although the struggle to make a living was still very prominent for African Americans, these were important milestones and gave black people many more opportunities. The now freed slaves were moving into the cities of Louisiana, including Baton Rouge. This increase in population in small cities caused a rapid change and transformed a small river town to a booming city with opportunities, entertainment, and an increase in available housing. Job opportunities for African Americans were much more prominent than before. And as more and more people moved into small cities, there was significant need for housing. This created a significant amount of jobs for free black workers. An industry that became very prominent was cosmetics among African Americans. For the first time, the newly freed enslaved persons and their children were able to express themselves 
through what they wore and how they presented themselves. This rising interest in cosmetics would create more jobs and opportunities for black entrepreneurs to run their businesses oriented around cosmetics. In addition, many other industries. Despite the significant growth in industrial life, however, Louisiana remained a society which still heavily relied on agrarian labor, and products such as sugarcane and cotton were still main commodities and exports in Louisiana. Radical Democrats created policies such as black codes in response to the loss of many laborers in agricultural work. These codes were put in place to try and get African Americans back into the harsh agricultural work as soon as possible that they were all too familiar with. The idea of abolishing slavery and giving African Americans more rights was slowly becoming more popular. People had been exposed to the sheer brutality these men and women were being put through on a daily basis. One example of this which helped bring this brutality to light was the image of Whipped Peter. This disturbing and graphic image was taken during a medical examination by the Union Army following Peter's escape from John and Bridget Leon's Louisiana plantation. The image graphically depicts Peter sitting on a stool with his back to the camera. He had removed his shirt after days of hiding what had happened to him and now how he had been treated. Covering the entirety of his back and even going down to his buttocks are large lacerations from being whipped. The scars look as if his back was covered in tree roots and he looks to the side almost hiding his face from the camera. This had become one of the most famous and recognizable images of what being an enslaved person was like and it helped expose the now undeniable brutality that those people endured on a daily basis. As people encountered and saw the sheer brutality and inhumane treatment of these people, there was more support for President Lincoln's proclamation and the war efforts of the Union. A newspaper wrote about the streets of New Orleans following the Emancipation Proclamation in the collective celebration of this event. It said, Let Saturday, January the 17th, be long remembered as when people of New Orleans came together and acted officially upon the Emancipation Proclamation of the President. Let it be remembered that on the day alluded to, the St. Charles Theater, the largest building in the city of New Orleans, was crowded with old citizens, with, old, with people who had been lifelong slaveholders, mostly natives of the late slave states, the speakers, without an exception, having been born south of the Mason-Dixon line, a distinction now politically without meaning. An audience composed of such people and addressed by such speakers, without a dissenting voice, with vociferous cheers adopted the following resolution. Resolved, that we are prepared to sustain the government of the Union in all measures adopted for the suppression of the rebellion, and that we fully approve the war measure set out in the proclamation 
of the President of January 1st, 1863, as one called for by the exigencies of the contest, consummating at once an act of justice to one class, and inflicting at the same time on another class, persisting in rebellion, the blow best calculated to reduce then to obedience to the laws. We'll continue right after this short commercial break. This podcast is brought to you by 3M Face Masks, recommended by 9 out of 10 doctors to prevent COVID-19. Get 10% off on your face mask by using code 3MCOVID today. Of course, there was still opposition to Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, and the Civil War would continue on for another two years. But progress was being made, and that was important. The very fact that multiple groups and types of people all came under the same roof and were able to acknowledge together the issues in American society and celebrate that progress was being made was, I can imagine, very liberating and hopeful for the previously enslaved peoples. All of this provided support for African Americans and joining the workforce and becoming members of society was becoming more and more possible, ultimately expanding the workforce and consequently expanding the economy. Jobs in stores and industrial jobs were now being filled with the influx of people coming into the cities. While Louisiana still maintained its mainly agricultural economy, with the influx of people moving into these smaller cities, came an increase in mechanization, innovation, and industry, and therefore jobs. The previous pre-war sugar plantations were now producing sugarcane, which would then be refined and processed in factories or mills. This both created jobs and expanded the economy substantially. In addition to agricultural industries, later, In 1901, the Jennings Oil Company, number one well, discovered the first commercial oil field in Louisiana. And not much later, in 1908, the first natural gas pipeline was laid. This provided natural gas from Caddo Field to Shreveport, Louisiana. Of course, this worked wonders for Louisiana's economy and pushed Louisiana to a more industrial society significantly diversifying Louisiana's economy. Louisiana's economy, already prospering from a fruitful oil and gas industry, was also enjoying a strong export and commercial fishing. Seafood, harvested from the Gulf of Mexico, found its way into Louisiana's ports, generating a mass amount of capital for the state. Louisiana's overall economy greatly benefited from the Civil War. Without the Emancipation Proclamation, enacted by Abraham Lincoln in 1863, Louisiana's economy might have stayed primarily agricultural for a long time. With the outcome of the Civil War and as large plantations were forced to be split up into smaller plots of land, people were looking for alternative and more efficient ways of making money. Industries such as fishing, commercial oil drilling, and the gas pipeline 
and natural gas industries, which provided gas for so many Louisianians. Louisiana would have remained a state with small, quiet river towns such as Baton Rouge, and limited by the large plantations which dominated the economy before the Civil War. Thank you for tuning in for today's podcast. I hope you tune in next week where we will talk about another interesting backstory of a great American city.